Hey, church family, how you guys feeling today? You guys good? Balcony, how are you doing? Balcony, you guys good up there? You guys good? All right, great to see all of you, everybody online. We love you so much. Hey, we have our North Campus that's joining in as well. So you guys are the live studio audience for them. You guys ready? So you're going to cheer them on in just a second. You guys ready? You got to be nice. Okay, this is your family members up north. Here we go. Hey, North family, good to see you. We love you, North. Love you so much, everybody online, again, in the room, excited what God has in store for every one of us, my beautiful wife and I. It is true. We dropped off our oldest son in college a couple of weeks ago. We have been in the fetal position crying and bawling our eyes out, uh, but now we are better, I think, honey, I think, uh, we are functioning and now we've got this smaller family, and it's different. But we went into his room, and we didn't cry. So we were like, okay, this is good. So now we're actually turning it into an Airbnb. So if anybody, <laughs> we're going to make some money off of this dude. <laughs> no, we're, we're really excited about this new season for our lives, excited about the new season for you. We have been in a series called Built different. And we have been navigating and walking through a number of different things about how God has called us to be built as his children, even specifically as this church family. I'm going to read a bunch of verses here today. I'm going to put them all on the screen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to pull them out. If you don't have your Bible, I'm going to put the words on the screen so you can follow along. But I want you to go with me to the gospel of Mark chapter number four, the gospel of Mark chapter number four. This is the word of God alive and active changes everything for all of us. Mark chapter 4, we're going to begin reading in verse number 35. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, this is Jesus speaking, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping and on a cushion. The disciples woke him, awoke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Continue on with me to Mark 5, verse number 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When they got, into, when they got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet them. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him night and day among the tombs. And in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again 
not to send them out of the area. May God add a blessing to the reading of his holy word. Uh, we are going to walk through this text today. And I pray that all of us get pushed forward and grow in our walk with God. Uh, I don't know exactly where you are on your spiritual journey, uh, but I don't think God does things on accident. I think like today is an on-purpose day for you. I think today is a day that God actually set aside that he wants to talk to your heart. Now, the question is, are you going to mean mug God and kind of, and again, I'm not God. You can try to mean mug me if you want to, but if you cross your arms and, and turn up your face and look all stank face, I think you could miss what God has in store for you. So if you're a teenager, a young person, older person, it, it does not matter. You just need to know that today is a day that God wants to speak to you. I, I, I am actually really excited about this. I'm excited that we have some more gray-haired people coming to our church. Can we give it up for the gray-haired people? Come on. Come on. You're all going to be there one day. Young people, you better celebrate, okay? Even if you're dying your hair and you know what's gray underneath there, you can clap. I love that we have this, but I, I found sometimes that people that have been a little bit longer in years, uh, they might feel like they missed their window, like, like I, I had my chance to make a difference and I really didn't do it. And man, God, I, I just missed it. My life is kind of over. I'm just kind of waiting for somebody else to come behind me. They'll do something. And I just don't think that's how God wants to work with you. I think God still has something he wants to do in your life. I still think he wants to flow through you and speak through you and lead through you and help people through you. But I also found that 20-somethings feel like this. 20-somethings like, I missed my window. Oh, man, it's over for me. I'm like, it's, it's not over yet, but you can feel it. Uh, I should have stayed in that relationship. I missed this opportunity. I didn't take that job, or I should have stayed at this job. And I just need you to know that God is in the business of doing things on purpose and for purpose. So today is one of those days for you. So go ahead and open up your heart and let God do in you what he wants to do on the inside of you. We jump into this text in Mark chapter 4, and you got to remember the Bible was not written with all the chapters and the verses. It was just one letter. Most theologians would say the gospel of Mark was the first uh, gospel that was written, and others would maybe argue that, but he's writing this letter giving an account of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And when you read his letter, I mean, he starts off guns a-blazing from the very beginning. He doesn't even talk about the birth of Jesus, doesn't talk about Mary or anything at all. He comes in, he's like, Jesus is here talking about repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I mean, he comes out like, just y'all better get Get ready for this. And it's a fast-moving book. If you're an eight on the Enneagram or a three on the Enneagram, you would love the gospel of Mark. It just keeps going and going and going and going and going. He is moving. And when we get to chapter four, we see that the disciples are in a boat in the storm, and, and the storm is raging, and Jesus says, peace, quiet, be still to the storm. And then you get to chapter 5. Again, there's no chapters and verses when it was first written. It was just one long letter. And you see a man that is actually in a storm, and Jesus is about to speak to him, peace, be still. This is God letting us know, I can handle storms, and I can handle souls. I can do anything with anybody at any 
any time. I see this parallel between Mark chapter 4 and what Jesus does in the boat and what he's about to do in Mark chapter 5 in this man's life and what Jesus did in Mark 4 and Mark 5, I think he still does today. That's why I'm filled with so much hope because no matter where you are and what storm you might find yourself in, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, think, or even imagine. That's what our God does. So here, this imagery, Mark 4 and Mark 5, not separate stories, one cohesive story. And in Mark chapter 4, Jesus says to his disciples, go to the other side. So they hop in the boat with him and they are headed to the other side and a storm breaks out. The storm is so bad that people who are used to being on boats freak out. That's how crazy the storm is. These are fishermen, some of them. Now, maybe Matthew, the tax collector, was freaking out because maybe you expect a tax collector to do that. But, but Peter and the others, they are freaking out. They're going crazy. They're like, what is going on here? This storm is about to kill us. And then they go to find Jesus and your boy's asleep. Okay? He's one of those friends that can sleep through anything. You have a friend like that? I have a wife like that. Okay? I love her so much. She's my best friend. But man, once she's out, gone, okay? Anytime our kids come in in the middle of the night, oh, I had a bad dream. I try to act like I don't hear them. <laughs> Hoping Onika might get up, but no, she does not move at all. Not because she doesn't love the... Wait, are you actually sleeping? <laughs> okay, she is. She says it's her Zyrtec. Um, and, and I think she takes a little... little. Uh, but... She doesn't do that, just so y'all know. There is, she does not do that to go to sleep. But she does take her Zyrtec uh, before these crazy allergies in Dallas, but she is knocked out. Here is Jesus in the boat, sleeping, completely knocked out, not concerned at all, it seems, about the storm. The disciples are going crazy. They are go what is going on here? Jesus, I need you to help me. Jesus, what is taking place here? The storm came out of the blue, and our boat is being rocked all over the place, and and they are freaking out. This is the same thing you and I do. Whenever the storms hit our lives, Jesus, where are you? And we start yelling and freaking out and grabbing everybody. They get so concerned. They go to Jesus and they say these words to him. Jesus, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care? You ever felt like this? Don't you care, Jesus? Don't you care that I'm still single? Don't you care that I don't have any kids yet? Don't you care that I've been trying to get out of debt? I'm trying to do the best I possibly can. Don't you care that I'm giving my best effort and energy and nothing is working out for me? Don't you care that I'm dreaming big but still living small? Don't you care that nothing seems to be turning around? Don't you care that my mother has cancer? Don't you care that my family is falling apart? Don't you care? Don't you care? Don't you care? Don't you care? Why would you let me stay here? Now, if you've never felt this, you just have to live long enough. Live long enough, and there'll be a moment, and you'll look at your life or the life of someone you care about, and you'll say, he must not care. He must not care that they're drowning. 
So Jesus is here sleeping. Their assumption is he doesn't care. Little do they know that he's actually putting them through a trust test. See, they think he doesn't care, but he's over there going, I know exactly what I'm going to do when I need to do it. So what he is doing in this moment is actually exposing for you and I that we say we profess to trust him. But whenever the storm breaks out, we don't actually trust him as much as we do. Because if we trusted him as much as we do, as much as we say we do, then we would sleep like him. What I would say is don't take your cues from the world. Take your cues from the Savior. Don't take your cues from culture and the news. Take your cues from Jesus. If Jesus is sleeping, if Jesus is saying it's going to be all right, then you and I need to understand it's going to be all right and it doesn't look like it's going to be all right but if he's sleeping I'm with him I'm not with my emotions I'm not just with my own mind I'm not just with what my family says I am with what Jesus says and what he says has the final word and he said we're going to the other side so it looks like I'm going to drown but if I'm not if he said I'm going to the other side then I'm not going to drown because he said where I was going I need you to know that Jesus knows where he's trying to take you but he's got to develop you he's got to grow you he's got to shape you. He's got to mold you. And you and I don't get to get there any way we want to. He wants us to get there formed and fashioned into his image and in his likeness. Why? Because there's a Mark chapter 5 coming. You think it's just about Mark 4. But you don't know that Jesus is preparing you for Mark 5. See, Mark 4 is my life's going crazy. But in Mark 5, someone else's life is going crazy. But what Jesus is trying to do is to get you through your crazy so when you get to someone else's crazy, you can let them know that God got me through my crazy so surely he can get you through yours too. But we get stuck in Mark 4. We get stuck in our own heads. We get stuck thinking Jesus isn't for us. We get stuck thinking he's not on our side. We get stuck thinking he's forgotten about us. He has not forgotten about you. He's trying to flow through you. What God gets you through is usually connected to someone else's breakthrough. So that's why we can't have you quitting. Can I just say... Stop complaining. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop looking at your belly and just thinking your life is terrible. Sure, it's terrible but right now, but I need you to lift your eyes to the hills from where your help comes from. And even though all hell is breaking loose, Jesus, you're going to get me through this. And then I ask you to use this moment to bring somebody else life. I was, I remember I was, uh, we just dropped our son off at, you know, Oral Roberts uh, University, and uh, we, we, we brought him there, and it brought back so many memories. That's where Onique and I met. We even did a little reenactment. <laughs> and, uh, and I was, you know, doing the video. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is where I saw Onika, you know, for the first time. I still remember it going down to basketball practice. She's coming towards me, and there were these people walking. I was like, oh, uh, sorry about that. You're in this video, but it's me, it's me and my wife. You don't look like her, but you're beautiful too. God bless you. Uh, it was this dude. He was like, man, what are you talking about? But anyway, uh, I just, uh, it, was, it was so, so cool, but I remember being 23 years old on staff there, and my boss had been fired. This was my first job ever at any type of ministry. My boss had been fired. The administration uh, was looking at me 
me, looking to me to kind of leave the department he was in. But this guy, my boss, he was not just my, my boss. He was somebody he had married. He'd given my wife and I marriage counseling. This was like a mentor. This is a leader in my life. And now he's fired. Now the administration looking at me. And I need you to handle this stuff. And I, need, and I felt all this pressure. I felt like there was a hand on this side of my head, a hand other side of my head, and it was just squeezing my head. I'm 23 years old thinking, I cannot make it through this. Well, those are little problems. <laughs> I was 23. I thought, oh man, I'll never be dealing with anything bigger than this. And I just kept on living. <laughs> and some other life came my way. But God has been faithful. He's got me through every single one of the things I did not think I was going to make it through. And if you are stuck in the middle of a storm right now, I, I, I hope you get in a connect group so you can talk to somebody else because God is going to put you right in the exact connect group you need so that you can talk to somebody else that says, yeah, I was divorced and I thought my life was over, but look at how God has redeemed me. You're going to talk to somebody else that said, man, I buried a loved one and I buried myself in my bedroom and didn't think I was ever going to come out, but somehow the grace of God brought me out of that dark place and brought me to a place of light. I'm telling you, there is more hope on the other side and Jesus has the ability to carry you all the way through. So here are the disciples in the boat. Jesus stands up, says, quiet, be still. Everything goes calm. They get to the shore. The disciples are soaked from this storm. There's no blow dryer. They're all just drenched. They get out of the boat. This is how I'm assuming they get out of the boat. Like, whew, we made it through that. Then a crazy man comes running up to them from the tombs. Lord, I just got out of drama. You're going to take me from drama to drama? Can I get a little break from this drama, Lord? I just got out of debt. Now I got a bill that I did not know was coming? What? I, I, I just got healthy. Now I'm going to get injured so I can't go to the gym anymore? Wait, what? Lord, help me here. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. And, uh, and look, look at verse number, number three. Chapter five, verse number three. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. He had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. You read it, if you read it quick, you don't feel it. But if you pause and you feel this man's story, it's riveting. It's better than any crazy true crime documentary, the crazy stuff some of y'all listening to. <laughs> better than any 2020 news story. Here is this real man's life. He did not grow up looking for a day that he would live among the tombs. 
No one asks a young person, when you grow up, what do you, where do you want to live when you grow up? I want to live in the tombs. I want to be out of my mind. I want to be isolated. I want to feel forgotten. I want to feel like nobody gets me. I want to feel like nobody understands me. I want to feel like I'm alone. That's what I want. No, those aren't our dreams. So why would we think these were this man's dreams? There was probably a time he's doing well, going the right direction. Maybe his life is flourishing. Maybe he's got his graduate degree. Maybe he's got some dreams about a business he wants to start. Maybe he had some partners that he was connected with. And then just one thing led to another. And before he knows it, he's in a spot he never thought he would be in. Because it doesn't always happen quick. It's killing them softly. Slowly take you away from church. Slowly get your heart turned. Slowly let some offense or bitterness get in there. 2020 is enough to put plenty of us in the tombs. Saw people do some certain posts, some friends you thought were friends, but now they're not friends because you're on this political persuasion and they're on this other political persuasion. It's like now we can't be friends anymore and now I don't have hope and faith in these people and I don't have faith in these people and I lost faith in the government. I lost faith in this, I lost faith in that. And you're like, just all of a sudden before you know it, you're among the tombs. I didn't know I was going to be here, but this is where I am. The crazy thing is, this guy, you can see his tombness on him. For a lot of us, you can't see it right away. Because our apartments are nice. And our houses are nice. And our cars are nice. And our shoes are nice. I got these new shoes. A friend gave me. I was like, some shell top? Let's go right there. Yes. A friend gave me these. I'm like, I'm wearing these. My shoes are nice. So for a lot of us, we can deflect the problems and the tombness that we have because our drip is on point. And I'm just letting you know, you're not faking anybody out. We know. Oh, we know. I know you look pretty. <laughs> look, oh, I got this money. I, got, I, I know. I know. You're going to the gym a lot because you can control your body, but you can't control your mind. So it's like, let me do this because I can't control this. So it looks good on the outside, but there's tombness all on the inside. I want you to let you know, I want us to be a church family online, in the room, north, every location. I don't want us to be a fake church, okay? I don't want us to be a mask church. I don't want you to think you got to be in a place like, I got to have it all together. You don't have to have it all together. I don't have it all together. None of us have it all together. That's why we need our Savior to be in the boat and be in our lives with us because without him, we are lost. I, uh, Talking to my wife, I think I have a, a towel down there somewhere. Do I have a black towel? Uh, did I bring it up here? Because I got I'm sweating on my head. Thank you so much, Mr. Towel. Yeah. Yeah. My wife said, Your head was shiny, Earl. Your head was shiny. I can't see my head. I can't see. I don't know. So uh, I pat it. I pat it. I was talking to my wife 
about this message, which sometimes I'm scared to do because uh, a, a sermon's a little bit like art, you know, a little bit. You know, I feel like, you know, it's, I, like I put my soul into this. I don't like, a, I'm going to do a talk today. I don't, I'm not doing a talk. It's like, I don't, God, what do you want me to say? So I feel this. I, I feel this every week. So I'm walking through and I'm praying through and I'm feeling like this man and what, what he's going through. And it's like, man, it's emotional. I can, I can cry sometimes as I'm trying to process through my messages so, so I can share it with Onika and I don't want her to not like it because then it's like, it's part of me. It's like, but I was sharing this and she said some stuff to me. I thought, oh, I got, I got, I got, I got to share this. I got, I got, I got to share this. And uh, she says, uh, honey, talk, talk about the tombs that are, that real people are living in in our world. So, so we just did some, 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 some quick, you know, Google work. Look at this. Some, some of this stuff is going to be really hard to hear. And it's going to get really even personal towards the end. But, but listen to just some of this. Eating disorders in children. 42% of first through third grade girls want to be thinner. By age six... Girl, girls especially start to express concerns about their own weight or shape. Six years old. They're, they're concerned about their weight or about becoming fat. That's 40 to 60% of elementary school girls. Listen to this one. As of 2020, suicide is the second leading cause of death for ages 10 to 14. and ages 25 through 34, preceded only by unintentional injury, like a car accident or something. Pornography. 90% of teens and 96% of young adults are either encouraging, accepting, or neutral when they talk about porn with their friends. Just 55% of adults 25 and older believe porn is wrong. The divorce rate is still hovering around 50%. This is according to Forbes, around 50%. But that is for first marriages. For subsequent marriages, the divorce rate is even higher. Second marriages have a divorce rate of 67%. With third marriages faring even worse with a 73% divorce rate. I'll make it lighter uh, for, for a second. This is about job dissatisfaction. Tell me, oh, yeah, 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 read this, read this. Gallup, in a recent, recently released State of the Global Workplace uh, 2022 report, found that along with dissatisfaction, workers are experiencing staggering rates of both disengagement and unhappiness. 60% of people report being emotionally detached at work, and about 20% as being miserable. If that's you, raise your hand. Just kidding. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. <laughs> I hope it's not my staff that raises their hand. Only 33% report feeling engaged. But you live here, you know. I got some stuff on anxiety and depression and um, alcoholism and, and, and other things, debt. But, but look at this. We asked some parents in our church, ask your kid what's the worst thing somebody at their school has ever said to them. 
Here's some of the things that came back. These are kids we know. One of the parents said, it's too bad to repeat in detail, but basically, you should go kill yourself. And the boy was older and described in detail to him what he should go do. Here's another one. Excuse the colorful language. I'm not going to say the cuss word. You're going to know it. And if you don't, you're crazy holy. <laughs> you aren't worth, shh, go kill yourself. Cotton picker. Monkey. Watermelon muncher. Nigger. Your hair is ugly. You're dumb. You're retarded. These are just some of the things that real kids are hearing. So we're in this day and age where it can feel crazy dark. And even as a parent, we even got some folks that just found out they're having a new baby boy. Congratulations, Connors. We're excited for y'all. And you're like, wait, I got I to gotta protect my kid from this. I got to keep it away. You know what? I'll put him in a Christian school. And I'll put him in a Christian home. And then we're going to go to Christian places. Only Chick-fil-A for us. We're not going to McDonald's. <laughs> Burger King, there's no way. Sure, certainly not Cane's. Oh, wait, wait. I'm not going. And then I'll put him in another Christian school. Just so you, you can try to hide it as long as you want to. Go ahead and hide. This world is so dark, we'll try to find him. And at some point in time, this poison tries to come and tries to put you among the tombs. So you can see this. You got to think, oh man, life's so terrible. All this demonic activity, all this darkness, what's going to happen? But Jesus is still in the story, friends. You got to understand that, that the Bible does not try to scrub the tombs. The Bible keeps the tombs in there and just says, make sure you understand that Jesus is still even amongst the tombs and he's able to work miracles even in the tombs. So look at these verses here. Verses 6, verses 7, verses 10, verses 12. Look at this. Verse number 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, the Most High, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. Go to verse number 10. And he begged Jesus again and again and again and again. He begged Jesus. Verse number 12. Look at this. The demons begged Jesus. You see over and over, not the demons giving having authority over Jesus you see Jesus having authority over the demons and I need you to understand that the darkness is real but the light of our Savior is even more real and demons have to bow at his name and all the darkness that is in this world it will not overtake the kingdom and the glory of Almighty God I'm telling you no weapon formed against you or your family or your future is able to prosper and I know it might look like everything's going to hell in a handbasket but if Jesus is in your boat, we're going to the other side. We're going to the other side. It looks dark, 
but Jesus is still the light of the world. It looks dark, but Jesus is still the light of the world. Oh my gosh, look at all this craziness. What's going to happen with this election? Look at this recession. Look at all this stuff going on. Y'all stop freaking out. I'm telling you that Jesus is still in the boat and he has your whole life in the palm of your hand. We made it through worse than this and we'll make it through hell as well. I'm telling you, God is on your side. There's not a cancer. There's not a disease. There's not a problem. There's not a tomb. There's not a demonic force. There's not a principality. There's not a power that has the authority to stand against the name and the man Jesus. This is how we live. This is how we walk. So the disciples, they needed the boat. They needed the storm so that they could handle this next situation. But here is Jesus still just letting them know, man, I got to get you all right. I got I to teach you all. I got to teach you all. I got to show you how I work. So teachers, I know the school system can be crazy, but that's why you're there. You're on assignment. Administrators, you're on assignment. Politicians, you're on assignment. Lawyers, you're on assignment. Influences, you're on assignment. You're not here just for you. You're here for the glory and the fame of Almighty God. You're on assignment. So, so you got the disciples in the boat. Uh, a lot of theologians uh, call this man in Mark chapter 5 the demoniac. But then let me go. Let me go to my last one. I got another D for you. This is me being Baptist today. I got another D. All starting with the same letter. Uh, the deliverables. And I, I use that word because y'all are professionals. You're like, oh, what are my deliverables? What, 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 what am I, you're used to being at work. What are, what are my deliverables? Let me, let me tell you your deliverables. This is not just, I want to hear something good. You got to do something good. So watch this. Watch, watch this. Oh, verse number 11, I think. Verse number 11. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. This is Mark chapter 5, verse number 11. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. Again, see his authority and his power. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. I got this too much to unwrap here, okay? But let me just tell you this. This man goes from tomb living, cutting himself, to sitting there in his men's warehouse suit, <laughs> clothed and in his right mind. Jesus sent the demons that were messing with him into the pigs. The pigs went crazy and threw themselves off of a cliff and drowned. Who owned the pigs? They weren't Jesus' pigs. 
and the text doesn't tell us, hey, 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 pig owner, uh, I want to take this demon here, throw it in your pigs, and you're going to lose all of them, all 2,000 of them. The text doesn't tell us there's any conversation like that. Now, the person who has pigs, this is not a pet pig farm. This is their livelihood. This is how they make their money. And Jesus does not ask permission, but he sacrifices their financial gain. And the pigs go off the cliff. They have a financial loss. But look at the man. He's spiritually free. So watch this. Their financial sacrifice brought about somebody else's spiritual freedom. Their financial sacrifice brought about somebody else's spiritual freedom. And you and I, when we hear all these statistics, are like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I'm going to tell you, it's going to require sacrifice. Well, I just want to feel bad for it. I don't want to sacrifice. But the way of the kingdom is always sacrifice. What did Jesus do for us when we were lost? He did not say, I'm just sad y'all are lost. No, he sacrificed his life for us and his sacrifice brought us life. Moms, you know this. When you push a baby into this world, you sacrifice your body so that you can bring life into the world. This is the way it works. When there is sacrifice, life comes from another place. And the same thing is true in the kingdom of heaven. It will require us to sacrifice. And you don't get to shortcut sacrifice if you want to see spiritual transformation. It's connected. Your first deliverable is to ask God what you need to sacrifice. Your next deliverable, and then we'll be all done, is it found in verses 18 through 20. Jesus was getting into the boat. As Jesus was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell, and that word there means ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Your next deliverable after sacrifice is to not keep what God is doing to yourself. Go home and you tell people the amazing things that Jesus Christ has done for you. You tell them that I did not think there was any hope but he brought me the bride or the husband of my dreams. I did not see there was any hope, but he pulled me out of a pit and he put my feet on a firm foundation. I did not see there was any hope, but when all hell was breaking loose, he carried me through the darkest tunnels and darkest tombs and brought me to the other side. I did not see any way up or any way out, but God in his, riches, his rich mercies and grace began 
began to sustain me even when I could not sustain myself. My friends, these buildings that we have on the horizon for North and for headquarters and for our online family, this is not just about a whole more, a bunch more seats. This is about sons and daughters being set free, hearing about the amazing things that Jesus Christ has done for every single one of us. I can already see it in my mind. I can see tens. I can see hundreds. I can see thousands. Dare I say hundreds of thousands. Can I even say millions of people that will come to faith in Jesus Christ because you and I said, I'm not going to hold in what God has done for me, but I will share it with the world that he's called me to. That's our call. That's our mandate. That's our deliverable. That's my challenge to every single one of us. Let's sacrifice and let's tell what Jesus Christ has done. Bow your heads if you wouldn't mind, friends. In the balcony, online, North family, bow your head for just a moment. If you're under the sound of my voice and you have never given your heart and your life to Christ, you've never made him first, you've never made him number one. And you're saying, I don't want to be first in my life anymore. I want Jesus to be first. I'm going to ask you to do something simple but bold on the count of three. I just want you to throw your hand in the air and say, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. Either for the first time or rededicate your life to serving him. Ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand up in the air saying, yep, that's me. That's me. Friends in the balcony, come on on the floor. This is your moment. Don't, don't be concerned about who's next to you. This is between you and God. You're going from death to life, from lost to found. In the, come on, in overflow. I see you online. You say, yep, that is me. That is me. That is me additional seating every every place I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor put your hand over your heart right now now when all of us to say this prayer together say dear Jesus I ask you to forgive me of all my sins I admit I've made mistakes and today I give you my heart I give you my life give me the power to live for you in Jesus name amen and amen let's lift our heads up clap our hands come on church family